I believe that the Lord this morning, as, as I was preparing in prayer, specifically designed the song service, the worship, and the message to dispel confusion and anxiety. And I didn't share that with the team, but in the words of these songs that they sang, you're going to recognize those words of the song in the scripture that we're going to read today. And so if you've been in a place of indecision, indecision's a tough place. Uh, it's somewhat tormenting because we wrestle in our own minds. We got enough outside to wrestle with. When we start wrestling with ourselves, uh, it, can, it can cause lack of sleep, which you know, everything just feeds off of that anxiety and that confusion. But his word is truth. And his, there's an anointing on his word. And, and it's, it's on me to deliver his word, but the anointing's on the word. And so when we read the word today, it's God's word to you. And no matter what it is that you're facing, that you're going back and forth on, back and forth on, Stop saying you don't know what to do. Because the Word's going to release an anointing this morning that'll put a knowing in your knower that you know what to do. Amen? You can be seated. Thank you, team. I love that we have worship leaders who are led by the Holy Spirit. And I, I just sit up here and grin or cry. Because um, it's always confirmation to me that I heard right. Because... You know, if you ever stand up here, and some of you have been doing that through our Timothy project, uh, when you stand up here, doubts try to come on if you heard right on what you're supposed to minister. Right, Kyle? You, you did it recently. Um, but boy, when they start singing your message, you're just like, okay, okay, get Susan out of the way and, and just listen to God. I was just working out, had my... My workout going on, had ministry on the TV. It's a good time for me to get some word in while I'm putting my flesh under control. It's a good time to listen to the word. And I heard another minister read this passage, and it just set off in me that this was for this weekend. And I'm going to title it, Cut the Ropes. Cut the Ropes. In Acts 27, you can turn there because we're going to do quite a bit of reading. I'm going to tell you a, a wonderful story from the Apostle Paul this morning. He's a good one to follow, isn't he? As he followed Christ, he said. Paul is a prisoner at this time. It, it's really hard. You have to look back and see when Paul's a prisoner because most of the time you can't tell. What a message. What an absolute message that most of the time you have to look to see if he was in prison when he wrote this because you can't tell because that was not his focus. And so he's a prisoner. He's a prisoner for his faith. That was the crime he committed was following Jesus Christ. And they're sending him and other prisoners on a ship. And you'll have to go back and, and read everything, but they're sending them away on a ship and some storms hit. And it's just rough sailing from the get-go. And I don't know if you've ever been on a rough boat. And I, I have been working on being a better wife, so I'll 
I'm going to resist the story of Rusty putting me in the boat on rough waters, okay? But if you've been here very long, you already know it. And if you're ever on a rough boat, you're just thinking, we shouldn't have left port. You know, some of you have been on some rough cruises, different things. You just, well, Paul told them because God told him. And they didn't heed, so their storms are coming. And God reveals the troubles to Paul, and he tries to warn them. But they seek counsel with the wrong people. There's so many lessons in this. The sailors, they, they, they begin to seek counsel from the owner of the boat. Well, he's motivated for it to sell. They, they talk to different people. They get this counsel. Everybody says, oh, yeah, go ahead and sell. And Paul is hearing from God. And God is saying, don't sell. And through the man of God, he's saying, don't sell. They don't take heed to it, and they keep on selling. So let's, let's pick up in verse 13. Stick with me. I'm going to read quite a bit here, but I just can't say it better than he's telling the story. Okay? So verse 13, I'm reading out of the NIV if you're on a device. So they started sailing. And then a gentle south wind began to blow. So things had been rough. Things, they made the wrong decision, but things are still looking better. There's a false peace here. Paul said, don't sail. They start sailing. Things start looking better. And they're thinking, oh, maybe Paul was wrong. Things are looking better. I'm going to call this a false peace. Something kind of looks better, but it's a false peace. You still have to stay with what God said. Okay? There's a whole lesson right there. I think we could spend a lot of the day. I feel like that might be for somebody in the house today. They thought they had obtained what they wanted. They thought they had obtained what they wanted. But there was deception here. This was not true peace. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Picked up the anchor and left. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force. The false peace was just to get them to lift the anchor. The false peace was just to get them off of what God had said. That's all it was. Get them off, get the anchor up out of the water, start sailing your own way. Doing what you want to do, doing what false counsel has told you to do, get to going the way you want to go. That was just to get your anchor up. What did we sing a while ago? I am anchored to the ground in Jesus. It was so perfect. Before very long, a hurricane force came called the Northeastern. And it swept down from the island. Verse 15, the ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and were driven along. Kelly, when the wind's driving you, you have no control. When you lift the anchor, you just lost control. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Cauda. We were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. When the men had hoisted it aboard, the lifeboat aboard, they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. 
Just trying to hold it together. Just trying to hold it together. Just trying to hold it together. I've just got to hold it together. We were made to be more than conquerors, not just holding it together. And when we follow God's way, we don't run into these issues. Fearing, circle. Fearing, not faithing. Fearing that they would run aground on the sandbars of Sardis. They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. This is what we call desperation. I am throwing everything overboard that I possibly can. That can be relationships, that can, I mean, there's just so many things that that can be. This, this is just too much, let's just get rid of everything that we can get rid of, let's just unload everything that we can unload, let's just try to survive this thing. We begin to throw the cargo overboard, and on the third day, you type and shadow people, circle third day. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. And when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. That's a bad place to be. Verse 21, after the men had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and he said, Men, you should have taken my advice and not sailed from Crete. See, things just go a lot smoother when we do things God's, God's way. But how many times, there's a lot of times we go ahead and sail to Crete anyway. And you know what? God still wants to save us. Sometimes we get ourselves in trouble, we got our anchor up, we're sailing our way, not his way, and God still is willing to save us? You should not have sailed from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. Sometimes wrong decisions bring damage and loss. It's a tough lesson. This, this nation doesn't always like to hear consequence. But sometimes there's some damage and loss along the way. He said, but now. Don't you love that? But now. You know, this happened. There's damage. There's loss. But now. We got to go from where we are. And you know, God's willing to come where we are. Right, Rick? He's willing to come where we are. And but now. And I love children's churches. I don't know if they started it this morning or not, but Miss Karen was pumped at staff meeting last week because she said, we're starting a new series called But God. Yes. But God. There's damage, there's loss, but now. I urge you to keep up your courage. Now's not the time to get in fear. If you're at the place of damage and loss from decisions you've made, now is not the time to fear. This morning, God says, take your courage. Take courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Was there loss? 
Was there damage? But not one of you will be lost in this process. Verse 23, last night, an angel of the, of the God whose I am and whom I serve stood beside me. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You're going to stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all those who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men. For I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. You know, when we take the wrong road, sometimes we take the interesting tour. The three-hour tour. Sorry, if you're not old enough to understand, go watch you some Gilligan's Island. It's, it's fresh on my mind because I've introduced it to my grandchildren now. You know, children of Israel, you could have been there in two weeks to the promised land and said you took the 40-year tour. Okay, so sometimes we've taken the scenic route. There's been some damage along the way. But he tells Paul, you're going to make it to where you're going. You will stand trial before Caesar. That's where he was headed. You, that will happen. That means you're going to live and not die. And those with you. Because Paul was trying to make the right decision. He didn't have a lot of choices in this. But the other people are going to be saved with him, which I find interesting. It's just the way God is. Nevertheless, we got to run aground on some island. Now, to some of us, us, that sounds pretty good. But I think back in the day, you didn't really know what those people on that island were going to be like. So it was kind of risky. Verse 27 says, And on the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea, when about midnight the sailors sensed that they were approaching land. They took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found that it was 90 feet deep. We're getting close to land. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, fear was driving them, not faith. Fear was making their decisions, not faith. Look, y'all, if we make our decisions based out of fear, we will almost always make the wrong decision. And, and I've said this before. It's still one of my absolute favorite commercials because I could preach off of it all day long. I hope that they start playing it with Halloween approaching. But there's an insurance, I think it's an insurance commercial, where these people are running and they're running from somebody scary and they, they run in and they hide. And they're like, why are we hiding behind chainsaws? I mean, it, it, fear does not make good decisions. When y'all see the commercial, you'll, you'll laugh. It, it'll, it'll come to you. There's a great message there. Fear does not, and they were making, they just keep making these decisions based off fear. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. God really honed in on that word pretending to me. 
Because this is not what God had told them to do. In fact, they were supposed to stay on the ship. It's the only way they were going to live. We'll restate that here in a minute. And so they pretended that they were doing what God said to do. But they were letting down a lifeboat. They were letting down a lifeboat. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay with this ship, you cannot be saved. The temptation is the lifeboat. When fear comes, temptation is to find us a lifeboat. I don't know what that is for you. What your plan is in your head from your thoughts and your understanding. But the lifeboat is not always the answer. The life giver is the answer. And, and I'm not saying, please understand. I'm saying you've got to be led by your spirit and what God's telling you to do. I'm sure there were times that the lifeboat was the answer. But this time the lifeboat was not the answer. The man of God stood up. He said, if you do not stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes. They cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and they let it fall away. This is the part that got me. Fear will never cut the ropes to what we have in our heads to do. But faith says, not my will but thine be done. Faith says, I'm going to trust what you're telling me and not what my mind and my flesh is screaming at me right now. Faith says, cut the ropes! And they, they watched the lifeboat fall away. Can you picture that? Oh man, I could so picture that moment. These guys, finally, at the word of God, through Paul, cut the ropes and let the lifeboat fall away. It takes faith to trust his direction. Cut the ropes to the lifeboat. Your backup plan, your backup plan. Your backup plan. Not God's plan. Your backup plan. You know, the plan that we have to save us from our decisions or from the decisions others have made. Ask God. If you're in a place of indecision, I'm telling you, it is as simple as this. Ask God what you need to do. You know, James 1 is so powerful. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. He gives it to all men liberally. He will not even scorn you or make fun of you or think less of you for asking. Let's, let's turn there. I didn't plan on turning there, but there's an important part in here I don't want to miss. James. Hebrews, James. Verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it 
shall be given him. Now, it takes faith to ask and to be at rest and to be at peace, knowing that when that step of wisdom needs to take place, you will hear it and you will do it. It's cutting the ropes. Instead of Googling it, what should I do if? What does it mean when I have a red spot on my right earlobe? It's been there for two days. We have some really stupid lifeboats. I mean, we laugh about it, but we YouTube and Google everything. And there's, there's things that that's okay. If, you, if your car won't start and you need to know what to do, absolutely, why not? My dad used to say, if you've got a splinter in your finger, get a pair of tweezers or a needle and get it out. You don't have to pray and command it to leave your finger. Get a pair of scissors and get it out. But there are some things that we need the right way. That we, they're big things. And we need to know what God has to say. And he says, ask me, and it shall be given. Here's the kicker, verse 6. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth, goes back and forth. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. That's really what was going on here in this story, isn't it? They were driven by the wind and tossed. Driven by the wind and tossed. When you're driven by the wind and tossed, you, there's, you don't have control. It's wherever life takes you. When this circumstance happens, you go this way. When that circumstance happens, you go that way. When it looks this way, you do that. But when it looks that way, you do this. And there's some things that we have to make decisions on that we can't make them based on the circumstances because circumstances can lie. And my flesh and my mind can sure lie. It's called self-deception in the Bible. I need the truth. And when I need to know what to do, I need to ask God. I know that's a simple message today, but I'm telling you, go home and ask God to show you. There's a passage that I love in Hebrews 11, if you want to turn there. Hebrews 11, I'm going to start reading in verse 6. It's really one of my favorite things that the scripture says because it's just so beautiful to me. This is the, you know, the chapter on faith. He says, verse 6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By faith, Noah, being warned of things that weren't even seen yet. Just, that's just what happened to Paul. Being warned of things that he hadn't even seen yet. Noah built a boat in the sand 
in the desert because God told him of something that was coming and he wanted him prepared and he wanted to save him and his family. If he did that for Noah, now Noah walked with God. The scripture says Noah walked with God. He was a friend of God. And if you're a friend with somebody, you know them. And you talk to each other. And you listen to each other. And that's key when we ask God not to just speak, but to listen. Because you can't ask Him for wisdom and then not listen to the answer. And you can't get the answer and then not act on it and expect His results. But by faith, I love that, warned of things not yet seen. Sometimes God will ask us to do things or tell us to do things and we don't quite have the understanding yet of how it makes sense. But that's faith, isn't it? To not waver and just be obedient to what he said. In hearing God, and and I've had two people ask me this week, two different people ask me about fasting. And this is what I want to make sure we understand about fasting. Is fasting does not move God. Fasting does not move God. You don't fast to try to talk God in. I mean, that's what, that's what the heathens did. You know, they would cut themselves and fast and torture their bodies to get their gods to respond. That's not the way our God is. Fasting has a purpose, and I believe one of the greatest purposes is that it moves you to a position of hearing. Of hearing, of, uh, maybe I should say listening more than hearing, because we hear a lot. But to listen and to be able to hear what he's saying. So it's not just about giving up food. It's not just about giving up you know, social media, although those things may be involved. That's not the purpose of it. It's putting time with God first and putting my flesh, my mind, my thoughts, putting them down and putting him up. It's, it's shutting out distraction. Because we have so many people telling us how to do things. We have so many people telling us what to do. And there's just times that I only need one voice. There's lots of times that I can't ask counsel. I have to make a decision and and I can't tell anybody the situation and the circumstance. And I need to hear from the voice of God. So I need to shut out distraction when I need to hear from God. And put myself in an atmosphere to hear. You know, some of those atmospheres for me which we just did this morning, as the team led us in praise and worship, we were led in an atmosphere of worship. Our minds were on God. I felt seen by God. When I'm in worship, I feel present with Him. And worship is a great time for for God to download something into your spirit. For Him to download an answer into you. Very seldom will you get... A wrong answer during worship. Why? Because you're in his house. You're in his atmosphere. So if your heart is towards him in worship, it's a great time to hear correctly. So many times we, we take advice in wrong atmospheres. His word. If you need wisdom, I encourage you to go read the book of Proverbs. And it might not say... Thou shalt choose this career. It might not say thou shalt not date him. 
but it is the seed of wisdom. And when you sow the seed of wisdom in your heart, you will have a harvest of wisdom where you need it. And so if you're needing wisdom, I encourage you to read the book of Proverbs. Ecclesiastes is good as well. It sows a lot of wisdom in us, and I believe your wisdom for your particular circumstance can come out of that word. Times of quietness. And we just run our mouths so often and we get so uncomfortable with silence. In praise service, when we're ministering, when we're in a room, when we're in a car, if it's silent, like we just have to make some kind of noise. Because it's the, the cultural atmosphere that we live in. But if we want to truly listen, a, a time of quietness is a good way to hear God. Fasting, of course, we mentioned. Wise counsel. You'll see it in the book of Proverbs. You've got to make sure it's wise counsel. Can this person hear from God? Or have they been... I have wise counsel. I think about my attorneys. I have wise counsel that, that may not be spirit-filled. But I believe that they're anointed at this time to take care of me in this case. So you can, you can receive wise counsel uh, from people who may not believe exactly like you. Man, nature, take you a walk. Take a walk. Not with your earbuds in. Take a walk. It's amazing what God can reveal about himself out there. First of all, you'll just see how magnificent your creator is. There's some big bucks out there somewhere in there, baby. And, and when we see them, we just think of God, don't we? And we realize how great he is. Hunting season, it is upon us. Hallelujah, I know. I'd get the few people in the building. Go with me to 1 Kings. I know I say this, every, but I love this passage. I love the Word of God. I, I'm so thankful it was written and preserved for us. Speaks to us. 1 Kings 19.11, you're probably familiar with this. The prophet Elijah, he's in the presence of the Lord. He says, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. You know, get, get outside of the, the pressure Get outside of the influence of the circumstance. Just get out from the cloud of it all. Go for a drive. Go stand up on Mount Nebo. I mean, we live in Russellville, Arkansas. We have the most beautiful places on earth to just drive up Highway 7. Go stand at one of those overlooks and just stand there. You have time. You have time. You have time to do that. Or you can sit at home and you can waver, 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 wrestle with your mind, wrestle with your mind, or you can go hear from God. Go stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, and the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. 
After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Still small voice, the King James Version says. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, What you doing here, Elijah? Don't you you love that? All of this happening. And then this still, small voice comes and said, Lynn, what are you here for? Wisdom. Whew. What a moment. What a moment. My grandmother's generation had a saying. I guess, oh my goodness, she would be in her hundreds now. They would talk about praying through. They were prayer warriors. I mean, prayer warriors. Go out on that back porch. Pray. Pray over us kids. It's no wonder it's how my dad lived as long as he did. My granny's prayers, because my dad... I hear stories about him on a horse, him and Uncle Jay doing things, crazy stuff. They knew how to pray, and they would talk about praying through. Praying through. And, and Brother Kenneth Hagin would, would talk about it sometimes in his teachings. And basically it means stay there in the atmosphere of prayer until peace comes. You know, we're, we're an instant society. My goodness, our potatoes come as little flakes. We pour water on them, stick them in the microwave for a minute and a half, and we got ourselves a meal. We, that becomes our mentality. We get angry at one window if our hamburger is not cooked by the time we get to the second window. So we go to God and we say... I need to know what to do. God didn't say anything. I'm going to go back to using the term pray through. And it's not praying through to God and waiting for Him. It's praying through your flesh, your mind, your thoughts, your hindrances. (coughs) And sometimes that takes time. That's why we... Well, worship's too long. We'll get into the first song and we'll skip two, three, and four. You know, I have good word from somebody that stands up here somewhere that nobody comes into church till the second, third, or fourth song. And they said it's like people running in an airport terminal trying to drag their kids in before church starts, roundabout song two, three, and four, here they come. And the worship team up here feels like... (laughs) Seat this way, up, seat this way. Praise through. Pray through. Bust 
through. Wait until you get past the point of fear and into a place of peace. Never make your decisions from a place of fear. I've done it. It just doesn't work out well. Come to a place of peace. Even if you don't have the answer, you can have peace. Make your... Make your decision for a place of peace. Peace should always come along with the answer of God. It may not be comfortable. It may not be the comfortable answer. But it's still a knowing. And it's a knowing, hey Paul, you're going to have to hit an island. You're going to have to hit an island. But no one is going to lose their life. Okay. Okay. And then when we know that... You hit the island, you don't freak out, everything's good. You go on, you do the call of the plan of God. But that came from a place of peace. Pray until confusion and anxiety leave and until your mind stops wrestling between options. Keep praying until you're ready to cut the ropes of your own understanding and your own insight. Cut the ropes and know and depend that God is going to give you the right steps. And pray in the Spirit. If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, we're a Holy Spirit-filled church. Uh, I've lived it since I was about eight, eight or nine, I guess. Mom, when I received the Holy Spirit, we still lived in England, so I was young. We were ten when we moved here, or I was ten. So I don't know. I don't know where I would be if I had not been filled with the Holy Spirit at that young of an age. Just trips that I took on life, the scenic route. I could always come back when I didn't have words. I could pray in the Spirit. And peace would come. Jude says that we can, we can pray in the Spirit. We can build ourselves up praying in the Holy Ghost. Romans 8.26 says, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness when we do not know what we ought to pray for. I just don't know what I need to pray for. Well, here you go. The Spirit helps us in our weakness when we do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. In accordance to God's will. The Holy Spirit will never pray the wrong thing. I don't know what to pray. Holy Spirit will never pray the wrong thing. How do I get filled with the Holy Spirit? Ask. We just, we're not going to, you don't have to roll around on the stage or nothing. John, we don't have to beat them with Bibles. Hang on, turn loose, let go. Father, I've got to have every bit of you. And I ask that you fill me with your Holy Spirit. What if I don't pray in tongues? What if you don't? You're filled with the Holy Spirit. At some point you'll get revelation of it and you'll do it. But if you ask for the Holy Spirit, it says if you ask, if, if a son asks the father for a, uh, an egg, would he give him a snake? If you, 
If you ask for the Holy Spirit, He ain't going to give you a devil. If you ask for the Holy Spirit, He gives you the Holy Spirit. If you ask for the Holy Spirit, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, I haven't spoken in tongues. You will. Just believe. Go to the quiet time. Go for a walk. You need the Holy Spirit. He helps our weaknesses. When we don't know what to pray for, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groans that can, words can't express. He searches our hearts because He knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God's works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. All things work out together for good is part of that passage. Because you're praying in accordance with the will of God because you're praying in the Spirit and not out of your flesh. It may not make sense to your mind. I don't know what God's going to tell you to do. I don't know the decision He's going to tell you to make. But this is what I know. If God told you, it's the right way. And cutting loose the ropes on the lifeboat, it's, it's, it can be an emotional thing to do. But it is the right thing to do. Because my way of fixing things has just really not turned out that well. Building a boat in the desert didn't make sense. Cutting the ropes to the lifeboat didn't make sense. But his way is the life way. And the other way leads to death. So I want to encourage you, if you've been struggling with options, struggling with decisions. Take the time today. Talk to him. Ask him. And stay there until peace comes. Even if you don't have the answer, stay there until the peace. The, the answer will present itself. And you'll have peace. Even if it's not comfortable, you'll have peace. And you'll know this is what I'm supposed to do. Do you trust him enough to lead your steps? Okay. Let's cut the ropes. Amen. Y'all can stand. Father, I thank you for every person that's under the sound of our voice. Whether here, present, on live stream, internet, radio, whatever. Your word is timeless. So whether it's playing on this date or another date, this word is a living word. And you gave it to the people. You gave it to me. So Father, we just find a rest. We find a confidence. We encourage. We get our courage back. Instead of letting indecision toss us around like a rag doll. I trust you. We're standing here today because we're choosing to trust you. Not just in today's decisions, but in the decisions in our future. Father, when they come, we can reflect back to this and we can know that you are ahead of us and that you're not lagging behind somewhere trying to catch up. But you have already seen our tomorrow. And you already have the plans for our boat that will save us and bring us to life. So we let go of the fear. We use our own words to line up with your word. 
will not speak against what we heard. We will not speak against what we heard today. We will, we will not say we don't know what to do. We will say, Father, you know what to do. And you are the revealer of truth. Holy Spirit is my counselor with me, with me, walking with me. And we'll hear a voice. As your scripture says behind us saying, this is the way. This is the way. And we'll trust it. And we'll cut all other ropes. And, and it'll be the life way. It'll be the life way. And you'll see us through whatever needs to be seen through. Even if it's an island, no one will be lost. I will not be lost we will not be lost. We thank you for it. What a good father you are. To be so involved in our lives. To see each heart that's represented in this room. And under the sound of our voice. To see us. And to know what we're going through. And to be willing. Even if we got ourselves there. To get us where we're supposed to be. We thank you for it. If there's anybody here who's not accepted Jesus as Lord. It's so simple to get started. If you believe that God sent his son Jesus and that Jesus died on the cross for you, that he suffered your hell and was tormented for your sin nature and that God raised him from the dead, if you will, if you will proclaim, Jesus, be my Lord, He'll be your Lord. And then you learn to walk. Read the book. Read the Bible. Read Jesus. And begin to imitate him. Begin to be like him. Begin to grow. Even with mistakes, just begin to grow. Because now you're under grace. And you have a father who gets you back on track when you get off. Jesus, be my Lord. That's the start. Father, we thank you for lives changed, lives saved. Not just in eternity, but right now. Your, your salvation is also for now, this circumstance and this situation. And we thank you that Jesus is Lord of it. And the church said, Amen. Amen.